I will call your attention to a passage that I suspect you all know very well, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And the passage says, as you know, know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. And such were some of you. But you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And so this morning, Angie and I are going to share with you, we want to convey that message, right? And such were some of you. And our hope is that we're going to see churches full of people that struggle with LGBTQ issues in the past. And we're, our hope is that we see our churches be a, a shining light for folks that struggle with these issues and be effective. Now, I'll tell you, it's kind of hard because everything changes, right? Uh, I don't know how many Lady Gaga fans we have. Just keep your hands down. Don't raise your hand if you're a Lady Gaga fan. But you probably know about her song, Born This Way. I'm beautiful in, in my way because God, God makes no mistakes. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. Don't hide yourself in regret. Just love yourself and you're set. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. So that's kind of been a theme song, really, you might say, for some of the folks that promote so-called Pride Month. But think for a minute about how it's changed, how now we've got people that are born as a biological male or female, and we've just kind of done away with Lady Gaga's song, you know. So, cause, so, so think about how the world has really changed in such a way as, yes, you were born as a male. Some folks in this setting would try to say, well, you were genetically made this way, so just let me express myself. And now the, it's completely changed, if you will, in the last 10 years or so, or 20, since the uh, last 12 years, actually. Now, we've got to know about this. So this, this Gallup study, it's not very old, it's 2021. So when you look at Generation Z, 20.8% indicated that they were LGBTQ. You come down here and you notice that you've got traditionalists born before 46 and only 0.8. So this is a, a big deal when we think about our younger generation. I do think it's important to kind of break it down and look at where they say they would be on LGBTQ. So 13.9% would say they were lesbian, 20.7 gay, but notice the largest number is 56.8, which is bisexual. And I would almost say kind of a, a, a well, what some people in, the, in our culture today would think of as being kind of cool, you know. So probably, uh, even when you put all this together, it's, it's, not some, it's still smaller numbers when we talk about a, a lesbian or we talk about a, a gay person or so forth. So what do we need to know about helping people that struggle with this? Well, first of all, we've got to know we're gonna, we have them. And we have people in our churches. We have people that we work with. We have people that we go to school with. And so we're always thinking that way and being on the alert. And I think we're past this, but the old days people would say things like, I don't know anyone that struggles with that. And I used to show pictures of, uh, you know, Ray Bolts, you know, thank you for giving to the Lord. 
so many Christian singers that we have. So I hope that we're at a point where we, we're not saying that or thinking that. We know folks that struggle in this area. So real quickly, I want to stress, let's be careful about what we say uh, and what we post, especially like sometimes on social media. And I'll give you an example. This is back in 2012. I, I lived here and worked here in the state of North Carolina and ministered here. The first person often I would see on a, on a often at work would be a, a fellow that was gay. And so in many ways, I felt like I was making some progress with him. But during that particular period, there was a, a pastor uh, in North Carolina who said, uh, put gays and lesbians in an electrified pen to kill them off. And of course, he helped us out by posting that on Facebook, right? I was on offense, and all of a sudden, it was gone. It was gone. You are a Baptist minister, right? And so we want to think about the words we use, we want to think about what we're trying to accomplish when we do what we do. And one of the things we always ask is, am, am I like Jonah or am I more like Abraham who's praying uh, fervently to help people come to, to the Lord and he's praying for Sodom? And so when I post something or I say something, why am I doing what I'm doing? And if I post that or if I say that, what is likely to happen? What are we likely to accomplish? So if it's not pointing people toward Jesus, keep it quiet. And I'm going to be straight up with you. If it's not pointing people toward Jesus and it repels people from Jesus, it's a sin. And the Lord is not happy with it. So I'm constantly coming back. I'm thinking about the scripture that says, and such were some of you. I think about 1 Corinthians 9 where I put myself in the shoes of other people and I'm trying to point people toward the gospel and I do not want to be an impediment toward it. Okay, Now, we need to know there's a lot of difficulties. This is actually a little study that was looking at uh, uh, different demographic groups and, and how LGBTQ problems they were having and talk about depression and all of that. What I'm trying to focus on here is I want you to notice just how much, how much suicide, how much thoughts of depression and anxiety we have. So when we deal with somebody that was transgender issues or, or, or uh, gay or lesbian or any of this, remember often there's some difficulties and we want to try to do what we can to help them. And I do think there's some little points to consider. So what do you need to know? I think quickly it's helpful for us to remember that Satan is a liar, okay? He's a liar and he is the father of lies. And so as Christians, we do have four seats in the front if anybody wants to sit down. So just a heads up on that. Uh, as Christians, what we're trying to do is we're trying to propel the truth because the scripture says the truth shall set us free. So, so we know that. Now you have to understand the truth is going to come from you, okay? increasingly it is not going to come from others and here's a little example it's a little counseling group that um, i used to work with quite a bit and notice that uh, they have this situation where this person is saying hey i'm going to help people that are transitioning uh, and try to be basically gender affirming so in the 1960s or even up until the 1980s when i was being trained 
people would help you, helping professionals would help you, but now what they're more likely to do is to affirm or push people in a wrong direction. So what this means is the church is the only hope, okay? You're the only one really that's going to be able to help them and, and get them through that. The truth is being suppressed and so, so true of this. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. And he says, who hold the truth or push the truth down. And I'm going to give you an example. This is going to get worse. So I don't know if you know who Robert Spitzer was, but Robert Spitzer used to be known as the father of American psychiatry. If you know about the DSM, Robert Spitzer is the person that led the way to take homosexuality out of the DSM, right? So Robert Spitzer was not a Christian, but he was a psychiatrist, and he, he liked science, right? And so he did a little study where he looked at heterosexuals and homosexuals. And he said in his little study that folks who uh, engaged in uh, homosexual behaviors, but he was picking up people that were getting saved, their behaviors changed. And he published it. And I'll remember it, it was in the archives of sexual uh, behavior. If you were to take the hard copy of this journal, the editor started out by saying it's so nice to remove the politics and just look at science. Oh, was he wrong. This caused a firestorm. And this is, if you ever bring up Robert Spitzer to someone, they will say that he recanted this. He said he wished he never published it, and it was the truth, because basically, he lost everything from a professional sense and in many ways for a personal sense. And so if they can do that to Robert Spitzer, the former, what we, I mean, until that, he was thought of as the father of American psychiatry, they can do it to anybody. The truth is being suppressed. So that's one thing. Another thing, just know, I don't, I encourage you to look at Gene Robinson's book. I really don't want you to buy it, so just go to Barnes & Noble and read it there if possible. <laughs> so you remember him, he was, a guy's a homosexual, and he married another guy who they've since divorced. But anyway, he wrote a book called God Believes in Love, Straight Talk About Gay Marriage. He's former or ninth bishop of New Hampshire. Now, he takes Scripture, and it's important to look at how he takes that Scripture and twist it. Because this is what our kids hear. You know, this is what you hear on many college campuses and what you'll see in, in different places. He takes a passage from the book of Ezekiel and basically says that Sodom was destroyed because they were inhospitable. And what he doesn't understand is the nature of, of sexual issues and how it impacts everything else. And that's really what that passage is talking about. But he's kind of taken it and misstrewed it. So when you got to know the truth about Scripture, and I think you've got to know science just straight up with you. This is Simon, um, Simon LeVay. Simon LeVay was, is a premier researcher on, on gay issues. And he published a book and he published research on how the gay brain, he said, was different than the heterosexual brain. And I always, if I am you, I, I, just ignore what the media says and go straight to the science. Read the study, okay? If you read the original article where, or you read this book, where Simon Leventhal talks about this, he'll say the hypothalamus of a homosexual is different than the hypothalamus of a heterosexual. But he will say, we do not know if it's the behavior that makes the change or if it is the brain that leads to behavior. 
And Romans 1 tells us that if you engage in certain behaviors, it, trans, it transforms your mind, you know. And so actually, when someone brings that up, it's, it's true. And Simon, Simon LeVay, he was, he was a homosexual. He, will, he would have told you straight up, the reason I do this is to advance my agenda. But he was honest about the science, but you never really hear that. When you hear about a study, go read it. I, I did that. You know, I'd go to NC State or wherever, uh, North Carolina Central University, and I would read the study. And uh, several years ago, there was a little study, that, and Newsweek took it, and they said, is this child gay? So teach your students to go look at the methodology. This is based on a study where the recruits were taken uh, from uh, back then, uh, the gay pride thing in Chicago. So you have a biased sample. And just teach them to ask questions. First off, they did it on a biased sample. Suck it, the, the media did not understand statistics. So they, had, uh, they misinterpreted what the study actually found. But the other thing you, to, you always ask about a study is, was it replicated? This study was replicated, so it's a twin study. And what they found was a number of identical twins. Uh, this one's gay and this one's gay. But it's interesting. They're identical, and how many weren't? And the majority weren't. And if you really think about the study, you kind of just said, you kind of proved, your, you disproved your, your hypothesis. But they didn't take it that way. But then you go through and, and study it in a different way, and they did this in Australia because they had a big twin sample, and it, the findings, it was clear, no. You know, when you're looking at all these, these pairs that didn't turn out. That was never published. This is all you hear about. Look at the data yourself. Was it replicated? Who was in the sample? And what did they actually find? Now, you're here, I'm gonna talk about transgender, and then Angie's gonna help me talk about, we're gonna look at uh, gay and lesbian. You're hearing a lot about science says. Real science does not say the things people say it says. So first I'm gonna point out to you the DSM. This is a DSM-5-TR. It uh, was published one year ago and about two months ago, right? So the TR says less than 0.1% of the population has been assessed to struggle with gender dysphoria. You want to know that uh, when I was coming along, gender identity disorder is what we call gender dysphoria today. And some people are like, oh, they took gender identity disorder out of the DSM. It doesn't, mind. it doesn't matter. It says the same thing. <laughs> it says the same thing. So what you want to do is look and say, number one, it's still in the DSM, right? Imagine the pressure that's been put on them to take that out. They change words and they've changed some on the TR, but it's still there, okay? The next thing you want to know, how many people... And, and this is the, the gold standard in science, very few. And you always want to do this, right? So they talk about intersex, how many people, and this is where someone has published an article saying where it's been overestimated, they go back and describe how inaccurate that is. So always ask that. Now I will point out, if you go to the DSM right now, you're gonna see that you still have gender, what I, Unfortunately, I still call it gender identity disorder, but I know they call it gender dysphoria today. You see all that description right there, okay? So it's still considered a DSM diagnosis. 
And you can get the PowerPoint from this, and I encourage you just to go through and look at what is considered uh, gender dysphoria there and look at everything that you find there. And then I want you to stop and ask yourself, can we help people like this? And I'm going to go ahead and answer, we can. And then how is it that we go about that? Number one, we don't harm people. We do not harm. We do not harm them. So when I was a psychologist, I always had one person, one, <laughs> out of sometimes, Robin's a psychologist here. Sometimes I had 500 people, you know, in the prison, you got a whole, you got a whole group, right? So there's one person out of the whole facility, however big that would be, okay? So there were always people, we're talking about the early 90s, but, but it's just one, but they were, it was pitiful, okay? We got multiple diagnoses, right? And so they needed great help. So what we've done is it's, it's really malpractice. I was taught that you evaluate someone and if, and you know, I didn't recommend anybody for gender reassignment surgery, but you, if they have gender identity disorder, they do not qualify for gender uh, reassignment surgery. I always thought that was weird, but anyway, what they're doing now though is boom, and immediately doing that. So it's, 20, it's on the rise by 20%. So first thing we're trying to do is whoa, 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 whoa. We think parents, we want to process things and let's just slow down. You know, puberty's a bad time for everybody. Wonder what they'll think four months or six months or 12 months or two years or three years down the road, whoa, 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 whoa. And when you're working with people, you're just slowing down, let's slow down. It was malpractice to do what we're doing now when I was, when I was being trained. Keep going and we teach, okay? I don't care what anybody says, this male and it's female. And notice how the world has always attacked the Bible, the Genesis especially. Okay, so we, we teach that. And then we go through and we say, now look, people are going to struggle. Some people are going to have cancer. Some people are going to have dementia. Some people are going to struggle with any number of things. But that does not mean we succumb to it. I mean, remember what Angelina Jolie did when she realized she had the gene for breast cancer? Look at what some of the people do who have the gene for Alzheimer's. They eat salmon all the time and crossword puzzles and all that. So we push back on this sinful nature. So there's going to be difficulties that different people are going to struggle with, but that does not mean we just go along with it. Now, I also think with gender identity disorder that sometimes we've created some problems. And I'll give you an example. How many harp players do you know that are male? You know David. And sometimes I think that people are like, you know, I don't really like to play football. And they wouldn't probably have it in that voice. Or I like flowers. Or I like this. Well, that whoop-de-doo. You know, when I was coming along, we had tomboys. And, well, we had, yeah, whatever. You know, we had different things, right? We had some girls that were tough. And then we had some guys that weren't. But anyway, that does not mean that a person is transgender or whatever. And you've got examples of that in the Bible. David was a heart player, but he was also pretty tough. He took care of that big Goliath fella, I heard. Then you've got people like Deborah. She could have been the, I wouldn't want to get on Deborah's wrong side. She would have been the toughest police officer you could imagine. That does not mean, you know, does she identify as male? No. Tough woman. We need tough women too, right? So we know that, and don't, we're not trying to push someone or, or into something which really kind of makes it worse. We're always about hope 
And we got our passage in Jeremiah 18. And so I want you to think about this. This is hard. This has been hard for me. But if I look at someone, they want to take certain medications or they want to do hormone replacement therapy and I want to yell at them and I want to grab them. And, and what I'm, I have to do, and I think we have to do is just slow down and pull back. Somebody's going to tell us in a minute and don't be the Holy Spirit. But let the Holy Spirit do His thing. And for me to make that work, what I have to do is come back and say, no matter what happens, God can fix it. God can fix it. And that means if you have gender reassignment therapy or treat or, you know, surgery or top surgery, God can fix it. And I'm going to say our eunuchs are going to be a, a help to us in the future. Think about all the times you see eunuchs in the scripture. And Jesus talked about eunuchs. And so I think we want to kind of push in that direction. And I believe that's also part of the counseling part that we do is. God can, whatever it is, it will never, you know, they'll say to you, well, it'll never be the same. Honestly, it won't. But it's going to be better than it would. And it'll be better than you could have ever imagined or thought. So we kind of push in that with them just a little bit. Befriend them. No matter what, you're going to them. You're trying to befriend them. And remember, Jesus was doing a whole bunch of that. So you're trying to be with them and you're trying to be around them. If it's a transgender issue... You're trying to foster positive relationship with one another's father, male caregiver, or role model. And so if you're a youth worker, you're a parent, you're a friend, you're, just, you're trying to do that. You're trying to take a fellow fishing. You're trying to take a young lady to this, or you're trying to do that. You're trying to create positive relationships with, this, with their male peers and female peers and so forth. Now, um, I've got a little feedback anonymously from a parent who's had a, a child that's uh, struggled with transgender issues. And so I asked this person to share with us some of the things that were helpful and some of the things that were not so helpful, okay? And so this person shared what was helpful that other Christians did. And they said, what was helpful to me was listening, not judging, and not giving advice that we didn't ask for. So just listening to us and being there for us, letting us share. They also said acknowledging our sorrow and asking about our daughter, how she is doing instead of acting like she is dead to us. So this is a transgender issue, but I think we would agree this would be with all of these issues, okay? We're not, the person's still with us. And so we're still asking about them, we're still praying about them, we're not acting like they don't exist anymore. You'll help me by telling me uh, that you're praying. And I would appreciate if you would fast, this parent says. I am fasting and I am praying and I'm grieving for your child. Okay? So you just know I got your back. I know you're praying. I'm praying as well. What did Christians do that was unhelpful? Giving me advice and opinions on the matter. I didn't ask for. We can't really fix this. People need us to listen. And when this person says this, think about Job's friends. You know, well, the way I've seen it, you know, uh, you reap what you sow. And that's like the way I see it is parents didn't do this or do that. Uh-uh. These parents really need to know this is not your fault. And you're just listening to them. You're just listening to them. Telling me at least I have another child who's faithful to God. One of the worst things you can say. This child's still here. Okay? And we're not giving up on this child yet. 
speaking in front of me how blessed they are because of their children and how they're serving the Lord. So I'm dying right here. And you're talking about this. And, and sometimes it might even feel, just know that that's, that's there. Dismissing the trauma. So a lot of times, um, people who will struggle with some of these issues have been abused. All right? And so this person is saying, dismissing the trauma our daughter had as a child and pointing only to her sin. And so probably this person is thinking, you know, I wonder if this hadn't happened, would maybe this not have happened? And I'm a little upset that people are ignoring how this happened and just focusing on this. Because, buddy, this was wrong. Okay? This, uh, this thing that was done to, to this person. My advice for parents of children with this gender dysphoria, don't worry about their outward appearance. Let it go. Okay? But try to earn their trust and communicate about their internal struggles. Limit social media access and get them involved in family and church activities that are fun. Talk to them about anything, sex, LGBTQ issues, dating. Don't shy away from difficult conversations and don't be shocked when they share stories and opinions with you. If things are going bad for them, get them into Christian counseling before they're 18 and you know you lose your rights and so forth and you can't really, it just quicker the better. Take care of their mental health and your mental health. Find a support group. Pray and fast about your child and give them back to God. He's their ultimate parent. So you're here and you're like, I, I, I could use some help in this situation or these areas. What we're going to encourage you to do is just email us at questions at nafwb.org. And we tend to, for example, Angie, I would send parents off. To, I often send parents to her. I could let you talk to this person. And they're kind of talking to you about what they've experienced and what's happened to them. This is a little article here that's all about gender dysphoria, you know, and what we can do to kind of uh, help people with that. So if you use that QR code, it'll take you to that. Now, Angie is going to come up, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, her experience and what has been helpful and uh, what has, has not been so helpful. And um, first off, this is a hard thing to do. So let's give her a hand for being here. So let's start out. You okay with telling them a little bit about your story? You okay with that? It's on, I think. Yeah. Um, so I actually grew up uh, in church, the Free Will Baptist Church. Um, Grandpa was a Free Will Baptist preacher, Uncle Free Will Baptist preacher, married a Free Will Baptist preacher's son. <laughs> and I've got a, a cousin-in-law who is a Free Will Baptist preacher. Um, so I grew up, I was the tomboy. I, was, I, I did all the boy stuff. I don't think I ever wanted to be one. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I was always doing the, the boyish stuff. But, the things that have, have happened, you know, early sorry. on. We can't hear you. Okay, sorry. Things that happened early Good job, on Stephen. in my life um, that kind of set a course, uh, again, with, with some abuse, not from adults, but, you know, neighborhood kids. So those things right there will set you on a path and a, and a thought process. 
uh, that, that may be a little different. So um, I actually had to have those tendencies for as long as I can remember. Uh, I really, middle school, I think, is one of the most evil times that there are. <laughs> because, you know, I went into a locker room and, you know, full of females and was like, oh, this is great. So, you know, and that, that kind of shapes a lot of your thinking, too. So I went on through my life and had, you know, got married, wanted to try to do the normal thing, um, had two kids, uh, and then turned around and went right back into that life. So um, that's just a little bit of my story to say I've been there, and I, I think I had been there longer than I had been anywhere. Yeah. So... So that gives you a sense. She's been there. Now she's here. So we're talking about all those years. And so honestly, when you have somebody like Angie standing before you, it's an example that this is what can happen. You know, God can do some things. Yes. So we, uh, we've done a podcast on this, which I encourage you to do because we're more relaxed when <laughs> we do that without everybody watching us. And, uh, and that's on the QR code. So let's, let's talk a bit about what were things that Christians did that is unhelpful we talk about first, right? What were some things that Christians did that were unhelpful in this? Well, a lot of the, well, not a lot. There were a few people that, I don't want to say, tried to affirm me in what I was doing to make me feel more comfortable. Um, that's not helpful, for one. I, I need truth. And anybody who was coming to me saying anything other than what I, I knew deep down was the truth, I questioned those people. Mm -hmm. And I questioned if they were actually true Christians or not. Because I knew, you know, I came from a great Christian family authentic Christian family. I knew what I was doing was wrong. But so anytime anyone you know would say, Oh, it's fine, it's you know, it's fine, I immediately questioned them. Um, so that was not helpful. I really had a good family. They knew what to do. I knew how they felt and where they stood. Um, what would not have been helpful would be to badger me about it. Mm -hmm. Don't keep bringing it up. We all, we know. You know, it's, it's not a secret. It's, it's an elephant in the room, you know, kind of a thing. Um, so that would not have been helpful, which thankfully my family did not do. Um, condescendingly, <laughs> Someone that, you know, it, it, it did feel condescending. Oh, I'm praying for you. Uh, um, you know, like my sin was any worse than everybody else's. You know. Gossip or anything else. Uh, that, that was not helpful. <laughs> yeah, so first thing, and we have to be careful about this, because I think both of us get really irritated when Christians start affirming this, and there are some that are pretty famous, and we won't mention their names, but um, we're going to try not to mention their names, but um, they, they're dangerous, and really what we would say is 
I think what I hear Angie saying is, you're on a road, there's a bridge out ahead, and, we're, and those people are cheering on. So you're saying that's not helpful. You're saying that badgering, so let's, let's unpack that for a little bit, because that worked good, right? So what are things they Christians did, primarily the family, that was helpful? They, they loved me. Mm-hmm. And I knew that they loved me. And we went to holidays, my partner and I. She went with. Nothing was said. They loved her too. Again, we all knew how they felt. It wasn't a secret. They didn't say a word. They just, they just loved me where I was and prayed. And they gave me nothing to rebel against. Um, so it, that was huge. That was great. And you know they're struggling. Do I do this? Do I do that? Like we hear questions about should I go to their wedding? Should, I, should they stay in my house? Should we do Christmas together? And you've kind of got a little bit of a rule or a thumb, so to speak, on how to figure that out, right? How do I, when am I affirming and when am I doing that relationship? So as far as them coming to stay at your house, I mean, that's your your child. Um, It just really depends on would you let them bring someone that they were not married to in, even if it were a heterosexual relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, I would not, you know. um, So as far as gay wedding, that's a no. I'm sorry, you are affirming something that I feel like is a completely pagan ceremony because this is something that is absolutely not ordained by God. And yes, I know Jesus did eat with sinners and, and hang out with the sinners, but I can guarantee you he would not have been at a gateway. So that's enough. Good job. And, and one way to think, I think in the scriptures, we've got Daniel. They changed their names, Daniel to Belteshazzar. I can't do anything about that. You call me Belteshazzar, I think Daniel. But I will not eat that food. And Hananiah, I will not bow down to that image. So it's when you're making me participate or sanction I am I'm, I'm with you uh, trying to help you and Angie's makes it clear what you're saying you are not the holy spirit. you're not the holy spirit <laughs> so the holy spirit's got to do his thing and sometimes we get in the way of the holy spirit Absolutely. right so we're trying to let the holy spirit do his work and just be his kind of his hands and feet so um, let's, let's just talk a little bit about how it was at work. In other words, so you're going into work, everybody's affirming, right? Oh, yeah, everybody's very, oh, yeah, good, good job. Yeah. Great, fantastic. But we got a Christian. How does that Christian in this work setting, what, are, what does that Christian need to do, you know, as... You going to work? Let's talk to them a little bit about that. So one thing you need to do really is is show Christ. You know, when people know where you stand and, and who you serve and, and 
and what you believe. They watch you. They watch how you handle different situations. You know, and as long as you are steady in what you believe and always stick with it, that's a security. So when there is a problem or, you know, a question does come up, they will trust you enough to ask and to know that you are going to give them an honest, biblical answer and not your opinion. So, you know, the, the biggest thing I could say is live out your faith mm-hmm. loudly, but in silence. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and, and God will open doors. I can tell you now, He will open doors. You pray for an open door, and I can, He'll bring it around. So you're saying I don't have to have a pride sticker on my door? Absolutely not. <laughs> but I do have to be a real Christian. And everybody else is like, woohoo, go Angie as she's going toward that broken out bridge. Yep. But I, just you saying not go Angie on like the, a wedding or whatever, I know. And I need you to be what you're supposed to be. Yes. Good deal. So we all know people who are struggling with this, whether we know it or not. So what do we need to do to kind of, you know, be proactive? There's, seems like there's Jesus, you know, and it seems like he goes to this woman at the well, and you're like, well, she was a lesbian. She kind of had some sexual issues. She had a bunch of them. And if you look at the scripture, you see that everybody did this, but he did this. He went straight into Sychar, right? So as we're wanting to, we want people to know we're not just preaching against behavior, what can, what can we do to kind of go to Sychar, you know? Um, you know, be ready to give an answer. Uh, know what you're know, know the word know what you're saying when you come up on on these uh, opportunities and the doors that God will open for you the the most important thing is is yeah you don't go around it you you know I of course myself I wouldn't go into one of these clubs but you are you know putting yourself in these areas um, you know serving whatever it is that you do, whatever it is that you're good at offering services, and these people are going to be around you. Mm-hmm. You know, again, absolutely. manifest Christ. So a key thing that Angie said is you got to be ready. Now let me be clear. The Lord expects us to be ready. So, you know, Peter says be ready when people ask you questions. So we can't say, well, I don't know. There's no excuse for that. I'm just going to be honest, right? So a couple of things to think about. You can use some of the stuff we've put out in the past, helping people in in sexual sin. So we think about being proactive. We think about what Angie is kind of getting at is, you know, if I have a substance abuse problem, I'm not going to a bar. Because that's that's going to create trouble for me. So I'm not putting... There's things that you can do that she can't do. 
There's things she can do that you can't do. That's the way the Lord's made us. So I'm looking. Now I'm trying to talk to them though, and I'm trying to have a relationship with them. And I may not go through the Romans road in that first part, right? In fact, maybe don't. Build a relationship and honestly, the interaction of Jesus, do it the way Jesus did is a pretty good thing. Do share the truth. If they you gotta they gotta know you're a Christian and you're gonna look for a point and you're always pointing them to Jesus. You could think of it a little bit like this. Um, I'm trying to build a relationship and maybe I'm asking, would you would you tell me your story and just listen? I beg you to just listen. Um, and in the old days before I started working for the National Association for Real Baptist, I would listen to people sometimes and I thought, this is not, it's not going to work. And the worst thing I could do is say, you know what, I got to go study or I got to go do such and such. I got to stay with it. And sometimes I would say to myself, listen, and this is going to help me to help somebody else. And that's the way I, that's the way you can do it. You know, you can, to explain to spend that time however somebody might have thought once this is not going to work and it did okay so we want to listen we want to encourage you to put yourself in their shoes what would it be like to have had this what would it be like when everybody tells you at work or whatever in the media that you're you know, doing what you what you're doing is right but you know deep down it's wrong, right? And sow seeds. Can you remember how some folks sowed some seeds with seeds with you? So mainly my grandmother, you know, with with scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know those were the seeds. I didn't think about it at the time. And oh, I could just preach a sermon on this, but anyway. <laughs> um, so. It, I really just want to bring something out. Go ahead. Go ahead, Angie. So, I just want to tell you guys that I was almost 40 when God finally pulled me out of this, okay? So, when when you're praying for your loved ones, it's not going to be on your timetable. I mean, you, what God is doing and and he is doing. When I when he found me, he is the one who instigated, of course. He started working in me. There was nobody around me, no one telling me about this. And this was the furthest thing from my mind. I was completely content in what I was doing. He started working. I started slowly noticing things and my mind were changing. And, you know, I was noticing him, you know, and, and, and I didn't realize it at the time. It was, you know, it, 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 was, it was his ways on things. And he found me one night out of the blue. Holy Spirit was in my living room. Amen. And I don't deserve it, but. Yeah, me too, he didn't need anybody's help. He does not need your help. Right. Holy Spirit is absolutely 
powerful enough to bring anybody Amen. out. Amen. So Amen. Please don't complicate it with you trying to do it. <laughs> because all it does is cause us to behave badly and try to manipulate people with how we interact with them and try to manipulate that behavior to change. And I'm sorry, but you don't have the power to do that. That's why that was my, that's my favorite saying. There is a Holy Spirit and you are not Him. <laughs> and always please remember that because I feel like that's going to be the most helpful thing that you can take away from this. Is God did this all by Himself. Amen, amen. That's good. <laughs> and I'm standing here talking to you because He did this all by Himself. <laughs> so stay out of the way, please. Now we got to say one more thing. There are parents listening, maybe even here, and you've told them. Let's give a, what would you like to say to them? I would like to say that there is absolutely nothing that God cannot redeem. That, you know, what that person's testimony could be is not your business. And, and it, I know that you feel like it's just maybe going too far, but I can tell you now, God can take it right from there and glorify that yeah. to absolutely no end. Yeah. So it's not over. Yeah. It's not over. Just keep praying and keep trusting. Good job. Ooh, give her a hand, huh? So never forget. I, I didn't want to say how old you were. But never, she said. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's a long time. So... We're in the Jesus business. We're in the Word of God business. I mean, you think about even what we've talked about all through this conference, right? Continuing the Word. Equip each other. Encourage one another. Sometimes you're encouraging people that are struggling with all this, all things. Last night, we're always thinking about reaching people. Training, disciple your folks. Crash commercial. There are some books on this you know, that get into the genetics and all that. Our kids need to know that. They need to be equipped with that. But all of us individually have got to be about helping people with these issues.